So let's pray. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the message of the cross. We thank you for the gospel of our Lord and Savior. We thank you, Father God, that we have good things to speak about, that every day we have fresh manna. Lord, we thank you, God, that you enlighten our minds. You are continually with us, leading us into greener and greener pastures. We thank you for the spirit. We thank you for this opportunity to broadcast this message live in the name of Jesus. Amen. So the way of the cross. Hmm. The way of the cross. I don't want to drop this up. Uh, I started thinking about this because I've been seeing, I don't know, I've been seeing a lot of people wearing crosses around their neck. Not that, you know, I just started noticing it recently. You know, a lot of people, they they dibble and dabble with Christianity, you know, and they wear the crosses. They got all the, you know, the earrings of the cross, the big chains. You see the wrappers with the cross even sometimes, you know, and and it just made me start to wonder, do they know what that cross really stands for, you know? I didn't even know what it really stood for for a long time, you know, because I had a perverted view of the gospel. It was, you see the cross, and yeah, it can equate to forgiveness, but when, when you think that the cross was about God punishing your sins, you know what I mean, and then calling that forgiveness, what it does is it warps the view of the cross in your heart. And so I want to get into that. And uh, the cross is the way, the way into life. The cross is the path of glory. The cross is the path unto life. Um, the Old Testament scriptures talk about the way of everlasting. They talk about, um, you know, the way unto eternal life. And, and that way is the cross. It's the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, it's very interesting because it... it in the beginning, they called Christians followers of the way before they called them Christians. These people were followers of the way. What way were they following? They were following the way of the cross of their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. They were following after what the cross meant to them and, and what it produced in the resurrection of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Um, it's really interesting in Acts 5 when the angels release the apostles out of prison, they tell them to go stand in the temple and share with all the people the, the, um, the way of this life, right? The message of this life. And so, yeah. So what is the way of the cross? The way of the cross, man, it symbolizes a protest. It symbolizes a protest against the systems and the way of this world. So when death came into this world, Satan founded a kingdom, right? He found a kingdom of darkness in this world. And that kingdom, it reigns over people through the fear of death. It reigns over people. I mean, this, this world system, when the Bible talks about do not love the world or the way of the world, it's talking about not don't love the earth, don't love the things that it's not it's not speaking of the world and that the world is evil. It's speaking of the system of the world that Satan brought forth through the one man, Adam. 
It's speaking of the kingdom of darkness, how the kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of darkness has a path unto life. The kingdom of darkness tries to tell us that, that, that we can justify our lives, that we can honor and beautify our lives in this world through, through the strength of our own hands, through, the, through our might, through our intelligence, through the things that we can gather unto ourselves, through, through money, through clothes, through cars, through having a good reputation. The kingdom of this world says that you can justify yourself in this world, that you can obtain righteousness and eternal life yourself. And the cross is protesting that wisdom. The cross is dying to that wisdom. That's what the cross is. The cross is saying, no, that way into life can only lead you to death. That's what the cross is basically saying. You know, Jesus hanging on that cross, he was dying unto sin. The scripture says, Romans 6, 8, says he died unto sin once for all. He died unto the kingdom of darkness. He took away death. He took away that which was plaguing his people. The kingdom of darkness reigns through, the, through, through death and the fear of death. That's what it does. It tries to get you to enlist your members to justify yourself in this world. But the problem with that is you have to, you have to, the only way you can justify yourself in this world is if you climb on top of other people. You know what I mean? That's the only way you can justify yourself in this world. Um, let's read some scripture, though. In Philippians 3, Paul's talking about, uh, you know what, before I go there, I want to just keep talking about this kingdom thing. Kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of darkness. Let me see. There are two kingdoms. Check this out. There's two kingdoms. There's the kingdom of God and there's the kingdom of the Satan, the kingdom of darkness that are in this world. The kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. These kingdoms are opposed to one another and how they operate. One is basically the inversion of the other. One kingdom has a cross on their flag, the other has a sword. Or you could put a muscle, bicep up there. You know what I mean? Might is right. One exalts the strong and one exalts the weak. One turns the other cheek and one returns evil with evil. The cross is protesting that. One uses death as its currency and one uses eternal life as its, as its currency. One uses love, one uses fear. One is perishing and one is eternal. There are only two kingdoms in the world. So the cross is, is Jesus dying away that kingdom that Adam founded through deception. He's taking away the power of the kingdom of darkness and dying away death. And in his resurrection, he's bringing forth a new kingdom in this world. And that's what that, that man, starting to think about these things, it really starts to give shape to when you see a cross, what is that really saying? You're seeing Jesus dying to sin and death. 
He's dying away this system that's been oppressing his people, that's been keeping people in bondage to, to fear all their days. He's dying away that system that was ruling and, and says um, they were all their life in bondage through the fear of death. And so Jesus is coming along on the cross and he is, is bringing forth what he's doing is he is dying away the kingdom of darkness and in his resurrection he's bringing forth a new kingdom, a kingdom that is not founded on, 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 the, way of the, on the way of the serpent, but is founded on the wisdom of God. It's founded on the love of God. So, man, I got to try to put this together a little bit better. It's just, huh? Yeah. You know, it's a lot of stuff, man. You think you know what you're going to say, and then you get up here, and you're like, well, man, maybe I shouldn't say it like that. I should say it like this. But then it's just, I know it can be a lot, but, man, there is so much life in these things. You know, there's so much life in seeing that when you look on a cross, it, it communicates to you that you do not have to justify yourself in this world. It communicates to you that as the Son of Man, was strengthened on the inner man to give up the ghost, you will also be strengthened in the inner man to give up the ghost and not to continue to walk after the path of darkness in this world. But now you, you see that there is life inside of the cross. There is life inside of God that he will never leave you nor forsake you in the same way that Christ looked to the Father, looked to the shepherd and bishop of his soul on the cross and God raised him from the dead. He will also raise you from the dead as you're presented with temptations in this world to justify and glorify yourself, the cross reminds you, I don't have to justify myself. There is one who justifies myself. And um, I got some more stuff on that too, but um, let's just stay on this kingdom thing for a second. Because this message is kind of a few different parts. But the kingdom of darkness uses death in this world and in our flesh to control and manipulate us through fear. This fear, it psychs our flesh unto lust. That lust wants us to, to glorify ourselves, to, to, to save our own lives. And through this manipulation, he controls us and moves us around. He says, look at the death in your life. Do something about it. Look at all the injustice in the world. If you can strengthen yourself if you can take your authority brother you know the believers authority that you have if you can take that authority you know it says the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force i used to look at that and be like i'm about to take this thing by force in the name of jesus right but that is what abuses the kingdom of god when you try to take it by force the cross subverts that wisdom you will not take it by force. It will be given to you as a gift. It will be given to you as a gift. You will not have to justify your life because no flesh has to glory in God's presence because he glorifies you. You see what I mean? Mm. But um, check this out. Okay.
I'm gonna read y'all something from uh it's not in the in the canon, but it's a book um written by Paul to the Corinthians, traditionally called Third Corinthians. And this is how he's talking about it. He said, The prince of iniquity desiring to be God laid hands on man and bound all flesh, all the flesh of men by evil lusts. So Jesus came in the flesh to redeem all flesh by his flesh and raise us up from the dead in the flesh like he has shown to us in himself for an example. <laughs> okay. So because, because Adam, because the fall of Adam, through deception, death entered into the world and death cometh not from God. But what that death does, it manifested in the bodies of human beings, in their flesh was dying, and it produced darkness in their understanding and brought forth the carnal mind. And that flesh that essentially Satan built the body of death that man is clothed in. Flesh is not evil, but death in your flesh will keep you from, from, from the path of life. It will keep you from being able to see the goodness of God. It will keep you from taking up your cross. See what I mean? It'll excite you to, to do something. So Jesus had to come under the dominion of that flesh, of that death that, that Adam had brought into the earth through the deception of the devil. That was the kingdom of darkness in the earth. It uses the deadness in our flesh to control and manipulate us. And it propagates all the sin and destructions that we see in this world today. So Jesus had to come under that dominion in order that he may get inside of it to overcome it. Look, he, Paul goes on to say, I'm, I'm going to start over. The prince of iniquity desiring to be God laid hands on man and bound all flesh by evil lust. So Jesus comes in the flesh to redeem all flesh by his flesh and raise us up from the dead in the flesh like he has shown to us in himself for an example. You know, it's, it's interesting. Jesus was in a flesh and bone body just like us. Flesh and blood body just like us. He had to, since the children were partakers of flesh and blood, he also likewise had to partake. It's interesting though that this flesh, the deadness in our flesh, when it, it brings lust to our hearts because of the fear of death in this world, the fear of not making it, the fear of not being justified, the fear of not, you know, not gaining a, a good life, it produces the works of the flesh in our life. But it didn't produce the works of the flesh in Jesus' life. Why? <laughs> Why? You know what I mean? Because Jesus had a different wisdom. He had a different logic. He had a different word dwelling in his heart that he didn't have to justify his life through his flesh, that the Father would justify his life. The Father would comfort him. The Father was the one who would seek his glory. Jesus said, I seek not my own glory, but there's one who seeks my glory, and he is the true judge. See, he had a different wisdom that put his flesh to rest. It didn't excite his flesh unto lust. 
So man is bound in flesh, and so Jesus by his flesh had to come and redeem all flesh by his flesh and raise us up from the dead in the flesh like he has shown to us in himself for an example. Man. He comes that by that flesh whereby the wicked one had brought in death, by the same he showed, by the same he should be shown to be overcome. So by the same death that he brought and manifested in the flesh of men, he was overcome by that same flesh, by the, by the power of the word, the word of everlasting, the, the, the Lord and Savior. Okay, he came that by, he came that by that flesh whereby the wicked one had brought death, by the same he should be shown to be overcome. For by his own body, Jesus Christ saved all flesh and restored it unto life that he might show forth the temple of righteousness in his body. I know these things are kind of deep. But in, in, in the glorification of Jesus Christ, he's restored all flesh as the temple of God. And now even though we don't yet see um, immortality in our flesh, we have, we have a treasure on the inside of us. We have the word of eternal life. The same word that Jesus had in his heart that kept his flesh from the works of the flesh. Does that make sense? We have that same knowledge on the inside of us. That same testimony, you know, that you received the testimony of the Son of God. What testimony? The testimony that the same word of life that loosed Jesus' member from the works of the flesh and from the fear of death now dwells in you. Now you have the mind of Christ. You see what I mean? Now you know that, man, this death has no, no word in my life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Y'all got somewhere to go? Okay. I, I got a long ride home. So, I mean, I came, I came from afar. Um. Thank you, Larry. I really just wanted to see you, bro. My man, my man, Larry in the booth. On the on the knobs. Start. Yeah, lightning strikes, bro. We came through it all, man. He tried. The devil tried to kill us on our way, but the Lord was with us, and He brought us through, brother. Yeah, Brock sounds like me. Oh, okay. Yeah. We sound like each other, man. How good is it to fellowship? Check this out. This is uh this is from the Septuagint, the Greek Old Testament. Paul read this. It's from the Book of Wisdom. I know it's not in our our canon, but um it's in the Catholic canon, so check your faith, y'all. <laughs> nah, but Listen to this. It says, seek not death in the air of your life and pull not upon yourselves destruction with the works of your hands. Yeah, Paul's reading this, okay? For God made not death, neither hath he pleasure in the destruction of the living. For he created all things that they might have their being and the generations of the world would be helpful and that there would be no poison of destruction in them nor the kingdom of death upon the earth. 
This is the will of God. For righteousness is immortal. So God is bringing forth a kingdom in this earth that will be immortal and will not be subject to death. And the cross is the pathway unto this life. That's what the cross is representing. It's a protest against the kingdom of destruction. And in the same time, it, it's, it's, it's promoting the path into life. It's promoting the path into the resurrection. The wisdom of the cross is a seed that when it dwells in your heart, it brings forth a fruit under resurrection and this life and the one to come. You see what I mean? It's, it's the way of the spirit. It's the way to see the fruit of the spirit born in your life when you meditate on the wisdom of the cross. Paul says it's foolishness. It's foolishness to the world. The logos of the cross. That's what in 1 Corinthians 1, that's what he says. The logos of the cross is the power of God. It's the power and wisdom of God. It's foolishness unto the world. But check this out. For God may not death. <laughs> God may not death. Neither hath he. But listen, listen how it's saying. It's saying, but ungodly men with their works and words call it to them. For when they thought to have it their friend, isn't, isn't that what the world tells you? That you can exalt your life. You know what I mean? And then you get out there and you, you're working hard and then all hell comes upon you. You know what I mean? And you see that, man, all these things that I thought were going to be great in life, they actually have turned out to be hell for me. You know what I mean? If I can get this, if I can get that, I'll have a better life. You know what I mean? If I can get this job, if I can make this much money, if I can get this girl, if I can get that girl, if I can get all these things, I'll have a beautiful life. But in the end is the way of death. You know what I mean? Because you're trying to justify, you're trying to clothe yourself by these things, but these things can never clothe you because you're the image of God, okay? You think those things can clothe, clothe God? They can't clothe you either. You're the image of God. There's only one thing that can clothe you, the very glory that God has in himself. That's the only thing that can clothe you. That's the only thing that can justify your heart. The same glory that God has in himself that Jesus was made an example for us in the resurrection is the only thing that can clothe your heart. And the beauty about it is, while Jesus was naked and hanging on the cross, he was clothed, you know? He was clothed in the inner man. He was not ashamed. He was naked and unashamed because he knew the Father could never forsake him. The Father could never forsake him. But it's talking about how people make a covenant with death. People make a covenant with the, with the kingdom of darkness in order to, to gain immortality, in order to gain glor glory in this world. But ungodly men with their works and words called it to them. For when they thought to have it their friend, they consumed to nothing and made a covenant with it because they are worthy to partake with it. Because... I mean, what's it say in Proverbs? You will eat the fruit of it, right? You will eat the fruit of its ways, you know? And another verse in Proverbs, um, there's a way that seems right unto a man, but the end thereof is the way of death. Controversially, the same thing is true. There is a way that seems like it's death unto a man, but the end thereof is the way of life. <laughs> That's the cross. 
That's the mis when you got that little cross around your neck, that's what it's talking about. It's talking about that I will not seek my own glory in this world, but I will give up the ghost. I will allow the Father to glorify me. I will allow the Father to strengthen me, and I will not lift a finger. You know what I mean? I will continue in the word. I will continue in the word of life. Um, yeah, amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Man, I love that so much, though. God made not death. God made not death. <laughs> you know? But through the deception of the devil, death came into the world. You know? It says that uh, you have set him over the works of your hands. God set Adam over the works of his hands. Adam had, had, had he, w he was the meeting place of heaven and earth. He was made from the earth, and the spirit was blown into him. That's the heaven. He was the meeting place of heaven and earth. And when he fell, all men fell into darkness. And Satan built himself a temple in this world, in the bodies of men. And so we see through the cross, Jesus is putting an end to that system. He's dying away that system. That was, that was the power of that system is your back. Do you realize that? It's your back. He uses people, man. Man, this, 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 this fallen world system is built upon the poor and the weak. It's sad. But the kingdom of God, what is the kingdom of God said? The, uh, he who, what does it say about the weak? Um, he, he, the, the, head will, the head will be the tail, the tail will be the head. I don't know. I got it in here somewhere. We'll get to that. I got a lot of stuff. Okay. Yeah, man. Yeah. Uh, the crosses of protest and the dying to the kingdom of the serpent and his ways. And the cross is also the doorway into the kingdom of God and his Christ. Jesus proved it in his resurrection. Man, I got something. Hold up. It's right here. Check this out. We live in a world that is built on death. All our society structures will always fail because they're subject to corruption because of the death in this world. Try as you may, but the wisdom of the cross refutes this logic. It says, by the works of self-preservation shall no flesh be glorified in God's presence. But let him who glories glory in the resurrection of the Lord. You know, the cross and the resurrection is showing us the path unto life. Um, it really helps you. You know, a lot of people want to preach this gospel, but they don't, they don't know how to communicate it. Because it's so... It's not so different, but it, it's, it, it's different in its approach. It's different in its atonement theory. It's different in a lot of ways. And we've just been taught this American gospel for so long 
we don't, it's hard to put words to it. You know what I mean? My mom's always like, I got it in me, but I can't say it like you say it. And I'm thinking, man, I can't even barely even say it. You know what I mean? I've been walking in this thing a while, but it, it's, it revolutionizes the way you think about the Bible, the way you're thinking about what's going on here. And one of the most helpful things for, for me is to seeing that there's two kingdoms, and that's what's happening. Jesus is coming to bring forth his kingdom in the world. You know what I mean? He's coming to do away with the kingdom of darkness, do away with sin and death, and he's going to bring forth a kingdom, you know, that exalts the weak. He's going to bring forth a kingdom where all are one in Christ, where there is no one above the other one, but all are one in Christ. And he comes and shows us that in this kingdom, our king will become the least of us. Our king will go to the cross for us. What kings in this world you know will go to the cross for their people? I don't know any of them. You know what I mean? They all subjugate their people and promote themselves on top of their people. But God's kingdom, he gets under his people and pushes them up. You know, he gives himself for the life of his body. And that's the way of the kingdom of God. And so, uh, man, there's a lot to say. I've said a lot of mouthfuls right there. You know? Oh, man. Yeah, amen, hallelujah. The way of the cross, man. The way of the cross, the path of life. The path of life. Our old gospel was essentially built upon your faith and your authority and what you can do to bring forth a good life in this earth. You know what I mean? And, and that gospel, what it did was it kept you from God in your life. You know, when it's up to you and your strength and your faith, you never go to God to, to look to him for his strength and his faith. It keeps you from crying out to God as your father. You know, the gospel is not where you're never going to get to a place in life. Well, it's, it's not where you're going to get to a place in life where you never have problems. The gospel is that when you have problems, you're able to go to God. You know, you don't have to take your authority. You're able to go to God and trust in him. And Christ revealed this on the cross and in the resurrection. He lifted out one finger. Amen. All right. I wasn't sure if I was going to go here, but I'm about to. Let me read this real quick, though. I want you to get, get it. It helps to see it in the scriptures, man. It really does. Philippians 3. 3, 9, and 10, Paul's saying, well, 8, he's talking about he counts all things as loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, you know. And he said, uh, I have suffered loss of all things and do count them but dung that I may win Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, which is of my own hands, but the righteousness is through the faith of Christ where we see that Christ's hands were crucified to a cross, and yet he did not lack life. You know, that's what Paul's in Paul's mind here. He said, I see Christ even in, in, on the death of the cross, he had a life that kept him from, from repaying evil with evil. It kept him from coming down off that cross and, and smiting people and just trying to justify and save his life. 
but he had a life inside of him that strengthened him to give up the ghost. And, the, and then in the resurrection, the beauty of this life was brought forth. But he says, uh, the righteousness which is of God by faith, by the faith of the cross, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death. I, I used to read that when I was just starting to read the Bible. And, you know, when you, when you find a, a, a passage like that, it's like, oh, this is something that the Apostle Paul purposed to know, that I may know him. So I also want a purpose to know these same things. But I never understood what this was really saying. The power that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. The power of his resurrection was, was the cross, was, was him laying down the life that he could gain in this world. That was the, to fellowship with his sufferings would be to fellowship with what was in the heart of Jesus while he was on the cross. He's seen that the world was trying to get him to justify his life and to save his life. If you are the son of God, come off that cross. But the sufferings of Christ is that he knew that he had a life in God, right? And he did not have to justify himself off that cross. That I may know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. Uh, how long has it been, um, Becky? 35? Okay. I usually preach for like 45 minutes. I like that. I like the 45 minutes. It's good, but, you know, lightning strikes sometimes. So, check this out. This is just the book of Matthew. I just want to go, go through a few things real quick. <clears throat> Sermon on the Mount. I don't know if y'all know, but the Sermon on the Mount is the key passage of Scripture in all the New Testament. The apostles are dissecting this sermon in, in their epistles. You know? But as uh, Jesus opened his mouth and taught them, on the mountain, blessed are the poor in spirit. Now, when, you, when I'm reading this, when I'm about to go through all this, keep this in your mind. There's these two kingdoms, right? One is built upon death. One is built upon life. One is built upon the works of your own hands, and one is built upon God and his hand, right? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you, and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Verse 20. For I say unto you that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you shall no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is saying some very bold things. Those first, 
those first 10 verse those first 10 verses Jesus proved Jesus he modeled that while he was on the cross he was the meat he hungered and thirsted after God's righteousness right he didn't repay evil for evil he was the peacemaker and in so doing that was the righteousness of God revealed in his life you know um check 38 oh wait 39 hallelujah I, I was hearing a whirlwind for a second there I'm like lord i thought i thought the cross was the the way of, i thought the way of the cross was <laughs> Mm. You have heard that it has been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy, but I say unto you, Love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you, that ye may be the children of your Father, which is in heaven. For he maketh his son to rise on the evil and the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. Um. For if you love them which love you, what reward have you? Do not even the publicans do the same? And if ye salute your brethren only, what what do ye more than others? Do not even the publicans do so? But ye therefore be perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. You know, it says right here, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you. The only way that you can love your enemies is when you see that you have a life that overcomes the grave. You know, that's the only way you can ever really love your enemies and bless those that persecute you. When you have a life that is not subject to the death in this world, it's not subject to your enemies killing you. You know what I mean? And it says, be ye perfect as your father was perfect. And there's something interesting about that word perfect that, that, and the, that comes out of the Hebrew word where they talked about the lamb being without spot, without spot and blameless. You know what I mean? And we see Jesus modeling that he is being perfect. He is loving his enemies while he is on the cross. He is revealing the heart of the father. And in doing so, he's overcoming the systems and destructions of the kingdom of darkness. He was blameless. He did not repay evil for evil. And therein, in the picture of God on the cross, is the righteousness of God revealed. How do we know what the righteousness of God revealed? Because he did not give us death for death. He gave us life for death. He did not repay us evil for evil. If there would have ever been a time, that would have been the time, you know? Not only... <laughs> Not only are you crucifying God, but you're crucifying God's only son. You know what I mean? And what does he do? He prays for his enemies. He fulfills the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the meek. You know, blessed are the peacemakers. And that life, that life is the resurrection life. You know, that life can never die. Even if it dies in this world, it will come back in the resurrection. It is eternal. It is immortal. I, I preached a message called God, God Crucified. And in it, I talked a little bit about God and who is God and why is God eternal? 
man, God's eternal on account of this revelation because he is love. God is eternal. God isn't just eternal because he just can't die. God's eternal because he is love. You understand that? It's because of the spirit that he dwells in. You know what I mean? That spirit is so full of life on account of love, on account of that he is the, the peacemaker, on account of that, that he will never repay evil for evil, that in him is no death and only life. On account of that spirit that is inside of him, that is so righteous and holy, that is why God is eternal. And if we can have that same spirit dwelling in us, we will also be eternal. And we do have that spirit, and it was revealed to us in the Lord Jesus on the cross and in his resurrection. So, mm. all right, seven, Matthew seven. Let me see what I got here. 7, 13, 13. Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be would go therein. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. What is the gate? What is the way unto life? The cross. Few there be that find it. Few there be that have little crosses on the, their neck and know not what it means. You see what I mean? Few there be that find it. Mm. Hallelujah. 10:16. Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. But beware of men, for they will deliver you up to the councils, and they will scourge you in their synagogues, and you shall be brought forth before their governors. They will persecute you, verse 24, the disciples not above his master, nor the servants above his Lord. Scriptures talk about if we die with him, if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. You know, Jesus goes on to say all through this, take up your cross and follow me. Take up your cross and follow me. You know, that's we haven't understood what it means to take up our cross. Taking up our cross isn't that. Uh, God's no longer going to punish me because he punished Jesus. And so now I have a cross and this is my protection from God. No, taking up the cross is that I have a life inside of God that I don't have to fear anything in this world. I don't have to justify myself. When persecution comes to my door, I can take up my cross knowing that in the same way the Lord Jesus took up his cross and was protected and not forsaken by God, I will also be protected and not forsaken by God, that I will be strengthened, that I will have a life that overcomes the grave. Um, yeah, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. The kingdom of God is assaulted every time we try to take the kingdom by force. Every time we try to glorify ourselves, Every time we try to establish 
and, and give ourselves honor in this world, we take the kingdom by force. Amen. I'm going to go back to Philippians. And I'm going to end with this, y'all. So I feel like I said enough to think about. Amen. Philippians 3.3, 3, back where we just were. Verse 2, beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the concision. Beware of those who want to get you to try to justify yourself in this world. Beware of those people that say that you can do it. It's up to you. You can get it. It says, for we are the circumcision which worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. We have no confidence. We have no confidence in our flesh to be able to justify and glorify ourselves in this life. That's what he's saying there. Philippians 3, 3. If we are the circumcision, we worship God in the spirit, in the spirit of the Lord Jesus. The spirit reveals us on the cross and rejoice in Christ Jesus. We have no confidence in the flesh and what we can do in order to preserve our lives in this world. And we, we see that in, in Jesus on the cross. John 5, 44, Jesus says, How can you believe which receive honor of one another and seek not the honor that cometh from God only? How can you believe? Now, he's talking about the circumcision. What is the circumcision? It's interesting that the circumcision is... It is very similar to the cross. The circumcision is the, is a sign that was given to Abraham after Abraham had um, after Abraham had that didn't wait on the promise of God, right? And he ended up having Ishmael through the works of his own hand. God came to him in his 99th year and gave him the sign of the circumcision. He said, this will be a sign unto you. And that sign was that I'm going to cut away the foreskin of your manhood, the manhood that you try to use to glorify yourself in this world. I'm going to cut that away. You know what I'm saying? That was the sign of it. That's what he was saying. You, you see what you try to use to dominate and, and overcome in this world? I'm going to cut that away, and it's going to be a sign unto you that you will not have to use your own strength, but you will walk before me and be blameless. That's what that's what the circumcision was saying. And then and then the very next year Isaac was born. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it was a sign of the seal of the faith, the righteousness which is of faith. And so the cross is saying the same thing that you will not have to justify yourself, that you will not have to produce an Ishmael, that the promise will come to you. And it will come to you by the hand of God and not your own. And, and this is all talking about the circumcision. We have no confidence in the flesh. How can you believe which receive honor of one another and seek not the honor that cometh from God only? How can you believe when you're looking to the things of the world and you're not seeking that the honor that cometh from God alone? Jesus was, Jesus was only looking to the honor that God could give him while he was on that cross. Um, John 8, Jesus says, And I seek not my own glory. There is one that seeketh and judges. 
Um, and then he says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, If a man keep my saying, he shall never see death. Paul goes on Romans 2 and he says, For he is not a Jew which is one outwardly, neither is that circumcision which is outward in the flesh, but he is a Jew which is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart and the spirit, not in the letter, whose praise is not of men, but of God. What that's saying is the circumcision of the heart is where you're not, you're not seeking praise from men and honor and glory in this world, but your praise and honor comes from God alone on account of the word that he's given you in his son, in his cross, and in his resurrection. And Paul goes on to say, and you are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power, in whom also you are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, and putting off the body of the sins of the flesh. By the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, wherein also you are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God, who hath raised him from the dead. And you, being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he now made alive together with Christ, and hath forgiven you all the ways that led into the, to the kingdom of darkness, and that were produced in you from the death. The cross is God circumcising the belief in the collective hearts of all mankind. That's what he's doing. It proves that the way into life is not found in our strength and what we can do to produce fruit in this world, but it's found in the strength of God. It's found in our weakness where we give up the ghost and we look to the hand of God to follow, to follow us and justify us as a gift. Amen. I think that's about it, guys. So let me read you a few notes, and then we'll get out of here. I know it's Sunday. That's nap day, right? <laughs> now, we take naps on Sunday, homie. <laughs> the cross, uh, yeah, man, the cross is the way of the life. We'll probably do another message on this, I'm sure, because it seems like I'm always talking about this same message, because this is, this is the way of life. This is the power of God. The way of the cross is the power of God unto you seeing the fruit of God in your life, you know, and it was revealed in the resurrection. The resurrection is the proof of the power and wisdom that is in the cross, right? The, the resurrection is the fruit. The cross is the seed, you know, and... uh Glory to God. Let's pray. Let's pray. Thank you, Father God, for the cross. Thank you that we do not have to suffer the same death of the cross that you suffered, but you suffered it for us. You took the punishment of the kingdom of darkness for us and tasted death for us and have given us the spirit of your resurrection in our hearts. Thank you, Father God, that um, we are not sheep led to the slaughter in this world. But you are our Father. Your hand is upon our life. And we can walk in this world, even when we face the death and corruption in this world, knowing that you are with us, you will never leave us nor forsake us, and that you are our glory, you are our honor. And uh, come, Lord Jesus. Amen.